Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the innovators and leaders of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Grow With Us podcast highlights in Tulsa Talent's work, abridging Tulsa talent with tech opportunities and the revolutionary work around the city. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. On this episode of Grow With Us, we are in conversation with Crystal Speed, the founder of Your HR Strategist. We discuss the importance of having comprehensive HR strategies for growing businesses, Your HR Strategist Accelerator Cohort, and some key factors playing into the attraction and retention of talent in the workforce. Crystal, it's so great to have you on. I'm really excited for this episode today. Well, I'm excited too. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Evan. So this will be great. Yes, I'm really excited. I, I'm pleased to inform you that since our last conversation, which we had about like a couple of weeks ago, I feel like I'm in a much better headspace than I was at our last conversation. We were able to dive deep into some mental health conversations and and kind of just seeing where each other were at. And I, I want to just first start off and say thank you for that, for holding that space for me. And I, I feel I feel in a much better place now. Excellent. No problem. And I, I was thinking about you since then, but I'll share that later. <laughs> but let's go ahead and tell our Grow With Us audience kind of what is your story and and who is Crystal? Tell us tell us your story <laughs> in whatever way you feel comfortable. OK, well, excellent. It's funny. I feel like when you ask that is like a loaded like, do you really want to know my story? <laughs> <laughs> we do. But yeah. um, very much how I kind of define myself. I am the youngest of three girls. And I grew up in Arizona, of all places. So from second to ninth grade, that's where I grew up. We moved to Arizona. My dad was like um, in the Reserves Army and he worked for Booz Allen Hamilton. And they sent us to like the middle of nowhere, Arizona, to open a new office. And within a year, the office closed and my dad decided that he wanted to build his own business. Um, He decided that he wanted to go into government contracting, um, doing IT. And my mom, who had like no experience in that at all, was like, I'll help you build a business. So I mentioned all of that because I am a business owner as well. And, you know, I think I really came by it naturally from watching my parents build their own business, which was, you know, very, I, I, when I look back at it, the sacrifices that they made, they were a lot. But eventually, you know, they had a successful business, over 100 employees, and they kept kind of begging me and my sisters to work for them. <laughs> I I refused, even though as a kid, me and my middle sister, we were a part of the cleaning team. So every Sunday we had to go and clean the office. Um, so got a little it, it was just an excuse for them to work more like, OK, we can bring our kids. <laughs> they can clean while we do some more work. But eventually I did join my parents company. Um, unfortunately, my mother had already passed away, but I worked with my dad and my two sisters. And that's how I got my start in HR. And so I had taught for five years in elementary school. My dad's like, come work with us. I think you'd be great. I wasn't sure, but he was right. So I came and it was wonderful. And then that's how I got my start in HR, really loved it, and then went on to do other things, eventually having my own HR consulting business. So yes, again, I really credit it, credit my parents with it. Got to see a lot of 
like the joys and challenges of entrepreneurship. And that was totally a different time where, you know, you burnout really wasn't talked about. And so just how hard they grinded, like, I want a successful business, but I'm not willing to like, you know, put my life on hold for it. So there were some great lessons that I learned just from witnessing it as a child. Oh, that's so cool. I, I There's so many things I want to touch on. I, I, I really like the idea of, you know, your parents being the first example of like work ethic and, and also like that sweat equity that can kind of go into being an entrepreneur yeah. is really cool to kind of see both of your parents demonstrate and in, in kind of the same venture, which is really cool. Right. Um. And I really like that. I, I think that, you know, it being a family business is probably like another element that um, is kind of interesting. It's it's a kind of all part of the American dream type of thing where like, you know, you're able to provide opportunities to not only the people in your family, but also you said they grew the company to over 100 employees, which is like amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the impact that that had on that community um, exactly. was that was it was it started in Arizona where you guys are from or where did they grow the company? Yeah, so started in Arizona and eventually because they were government contractors working for the Department of Defense, we eventually moved to the D.C. area just because there was more opportunity. So yeah. we were on both coasts kind of yeah. with the business. That's awesome. No, I, I I think that's so cool. And 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 getting that like start uh, to your career kind of. Well, it wasn't necessarily your start, your start in HR. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like in that space was probably really interesting. I, I HR is like such a we kind of work in the in similar realms. I think about like HR and recruitment and hiring as like I guess sister cousins <laughs> <laughs> in the big business world or whatever. But it's interesting how they do overlap in a lot of ways. And I've right. I've, I've come to get more familiarized with that over the past couple of years. So we, we have similar vocabularies, which is cool. Right, exactly. But now I'm really curious to kind of hear, like, how did Tulsa get on your radar? What, how, how are we here talking to you in person? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, so I was living in the D.C. area. I, I was there for 26 years. And during the pandemic, um, you know, living in this one bedroom apartment, and I owned property in Maryland, but that was a different story. Um, but I was just like, I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I experienced everything that I felt like I needed to experience being in my 20s and even the 30s in D.C. It was a great time. And now I'm like, mm, probably something else out there. And I really just Googled best places in the United States for remote workers. And Tulsa came up and I'm like, Tulsa, hmm, never thought of it. I mean, I think I can point it out on a map. Um, you think? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I, I applied to the Tulsa remote program. And again, I'm like, you know, let's just see where this goes, because I was very open to going anywhere. Yeah. Um, anywhere but D.C. was really my <laughs> what I was thinking. And the person who I talked to about their experience in Tulsa, I'm just like, that sounds wonderful. It sounds like the right next step for me. And I came to visit and I just felt like Tulsa called my name when I came to visit. I'm like, everything I love about this. It was so walkable. I was downtown and just even though it was like it was March 2021. So there still wasn't a lot of activity just because of the pandemic. But I'm like, I could see myself here. And so um, since being here, I really have been able to like, you know, really find community easily, um, see aspects of Tulsa that people fall in love with and have fallen in love with it myself. And, um, you know, just see it as like a really nice chapter in my life. 
I don't know how long the chapter will last. You're still but, writing it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's exactly where I need to be at this point. That's awesome. I, I love to hear that. I, I think that we've had a couple people on this podcast that talk about just like how intersecting with Tulsa has kind of just come either serendipitously or almost like randomly. Um, and what's interesting is a lot of people are actually on that same timeline of like, you know, the, these past few years have been like, you know, I was really comfortable or I'd experienced a lot of things in these other places and I was just ready for a change. And I think that it's it's really cool to hear that the change that Tulsa can provide or, you know, just being here in this environment can be the change that people need or and, and they can kind of apply different parts of themselves to the different communities that are really growing here. Like I I'm to assume I, I'm I think I'm safe to assume that like the entrepreneurs community has been like right. a very welcoming <laughs> community for you it as has. a business owner. So it has definitely like and that's probably the biggest reason that keeps me here because I feel like there were resources in the DC area as well. But um it's just it was hard to access and navigate that space. And I think here in Tulsa, I almost feel like they put things out there for you versus you having to go search and find them out. And so, um, yeah, I do think it's a great community for um, entrepreneurship and being able to build and grow your business, but also, you know, just being able to experience things. And it's funny because I didn't know exactly what I wanted in this next chapter of life, but I feel like I found everything that my heart needed. So, oh, that's awesome <laughs> and, and poetic. I love it. What What have you seen? Kind of, you know, you've been here almost a year and a half. Like, what have you seen? Uh, the biggest change in in Tulsa. It was. Is it the attitude? The pl- the the places here? The culture? Has anything stood out to you in kind of this year and a half of being huh. here? Um. So that's an interesting question. Uh, what has stood out to me? Like, I, I really think that, one, I have a much more active social life here than I did in D.C., which is funny to my friends on the East Coast because they're, they're like, what do you do in Tulsa? <laughs> and I've been so pleasantly surprised by just like the arts and cultural aspect of Tulsa and just how much talent exists here. And it's just not like one or two talented people, but so much talent. You know, I went to the Nutcracker the other week and I'm just like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> like, you know, they're so talented. I had gone to the opera a couple times. I feel like the TPAC always has great things going on. So I think that has really been a big thing. Also, I didn't know how big, um, you know, the entrepreneurial ecosystem was here not necessarily big, but like maybe robust. Robust, right? yeah. And so that has definitely surprised me, and just seeing like all of the different opportunities, as well as the people that come through Tulsa, and just like the different events that are bringing people here, and then those those things that are keeping people here. Yeah, no, that I I love that, and I I think that that's that's a huge change that I've seen. One because I have the exposure to it, just in needing needing to slash wanting to know kind of how people are operating in this space. But then also it being novel that it this type of programming, this type of community didn't exist before, um, you know, the last couple of years or so. And so it's cool to see one people like yourselves, like benefiting from that, those communities um, growing and thriving and then also invest reinvesting in it to keep it going, which is, is so cool to see. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about your your company and, and your HR strategist. I'd love to hear kind of the origins of it and, you know, how how building it has been for you and kind of that journey. Yeah, sure. 
So, um, yeah, my business is Your HR Strategist, where we help um, scaling startups and small businesses build and grow inclusive teams and workplaces where their people can thrive, where they're doing work that just kind of lights them up. So we help them really think about um, building the people operations and infrastructure early so that as they scale and grow, they have that in place so that they can find, retain, and invest in great talent. So the you know, my origins started, you know, with my dad's business. Um, again, like before then, I didn't really think HR was, a, I hadn't even considered HR. But after working with him, um, I went on and like continued to do HR work, but also did like some nonprofit work. I worked in Christian ministry work as well. And then right before the pandemic happened, I started doing HR consulting um, just because I'm like, that's a part of me that I still love. Let me, you know, continue to hone that craft and that skill. But then during the pandemic, when everything changed to remote work, um, the needs were great. And I was just, I was getting so many calls about help us navigate this space. And so um, I decided to go in the business full time and make that like, you know, the full focus, which has been great. And so since then, um, and so I was still in the D.C. area, so that's where I started the business. Since then, um, I've been able to bring on one employee and have a couple contractors and again, just serving businesses. And we've done businesses anywhere from like three employees up to 300. But I really think the sweet spot and where um, our gifts lie is thinking about the strategic building components, like the framework of what you know a good hr department looks like and being able to help organizations that are right at the cusp of growing to grow well because what i was finding is people were calling us in to help them as as lawsuits were looming yeah or, when it was like too late almost yeah <laughs> or like toxic culture was showing itself and it's like yeah. we have a problem and so even though i love that type of work as well I, I say I can be a fixer. I really can. But I'd love to be a builder. Yes, right. So that yeah. we're building well together, saving time and stress and money and being able to build it right the first time in a way that is um, that you can scale. Of course, you're going to run into like some hiccups and challenges along the way. But if you have some infrastructure set foundationally, it makes those growing pains less painful. Yeah, no, I love that point about being a builder instead of a fixer kind of in this space, because it does feel like. It's funny, like before I got in like the business world, I guess I my only understanding of HR was like from watching The Office. And (laughs) it's so funny because I and I'm like now it's been so many years since I've watched The Office. I'm like, who was the HR in The Office? I'm pretty sure it was Toby, right? It was Toby, yes. (laughs) Who Michael Scott, which of course he's obviously a satirical character, but like just absolutely hates HR. HR is the devil. HR is... (laughs) Everything that everyone hates because it's essentially the rules you're supposed to follow. Right. Um, And (laughs) I know that there was lots of fixing going on at Dunder Mifflin because of all of the HR problems that could have arised and did arise over that show. But um, it's kind of interesting to think about it in that, like, obviously that media portrayal versus like the actual the real life implications and and practice of this uh, in this space, because it really is how a business can uh, thrive or crumble. Um, exactly. I, I mean, it really is that like, I don't know how to metaphorize this a little bit better than like, maybe it's the bones of an organization. Like you have to have the bones and the bones are how you treat other people. And the bones are how people 
can see your workspace as a place that they're not going to just check their card and be gone in six months or whatever. It's right. a place they can grow and, and see how they're going to develop as a person, how they're going to see their coworkers enabling them to be better at their jobs. It's it's really interpersonal um, oh, is the way that I would define it. Oh, definitely. And so it's funny as you were talking about Toby. I mean, because I love the office and I love those memes because I'm like, I feel like that's how people look at HR yeah. and people operations. Unfortunately, like they're going to the principal's office. Yes. Like, hey, I got in trouble. <laughs> and, and so I really like partnering with leaders and thinking about, no, we're here to support the organization overall. It's not mm-hmm. employees against employers. It's not like your oh, boss versus the yeah versus right. the uh, manager or I don't know your coworker whatever. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Nor is it really thinking about these rules that we have to follow. So yeah. we really come in and build again the structure in which to operate well. And so it starts with really knowing your mission, knowing your vision, and knowing your values because those are going to guide the ways that you make decisions, the way that you interact with one another. What is um like kind of a cultural norm or acceptable within your organization. And what I've found working with leaders is sometimes we have to get past some of their own workplace trauma and like things that they saw other people do when they were like looking up to their managers, where it's like, oh, well, this must be how it's done. No, that manager wasn't operating in a in a space that really like supported and respected employees. And so some of that is really shifting the mindset and being self-aware. So um, I I work a lot on my own self about being self-aware. And I'm so glad I did before I um, had my own staff because, you know, the things that kind of get under my skin or the things that I would have been like, no, that's not acceptable. I realized it was based out of like just kind of some of the fears or uh, assumptions that I had versus what were actual best practices. So luckily, I, I worked on some of my own issues first. And I think you constantly um, uncover some of those stories that you tell yourself in your head. But that's part of the work that we do with leaders as well is like kind of challenging some of these assumptions. And like, if you were in this spot, how would you want someone to treat you? You know, so even when we talk about we help design like interview process. So take the standpoint of the candidate. What would you want to see at each step in that process? And then let's design a really good candidate experience for them. And you're probably going to feel more comfortable because you're really operating within what's true to your like organizational values and all of that. And it's probably going to yield a better result and a better top candidate from the process. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be able to see like who is responding well to this, uh, the process that you designed that's based off your mission and values. I, I want to point out another thing that I feel like is kind of wrapped around this HR conversation a lot, especially when you're co- when it comes to strategy is culture and team. Mm. What the company defines as the team culture. It's really interesting. We, we kind of just my observation in this space um, is that a lot of companies have a culture, but they can never define it, <laughs> or they, oh, yeah. <laughs> or they, or they're saying, or essentially, if you read between the lines, team culture or a culture fit for a candidate essentially means they want the person to look like them and to think mm-hmm. like them, and it's so interesting. And in, when you're hiring and you're saying you're looking for people and you're looking for diversity of thought, you're looking for all these people with these skills, but then you want this person to look like you <laughs> at the same time, and it's like right. I. 
that's a unicorn and you're not going to be able to find that. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. I feel like you bring up a lot of things that I'm passionate about. But one of them is, you know, thinking about what are those organizational values and being able to align that with what you're looking for. And also like organizational values should then impact culture and how we live out these values through our policies, our practices, and the norms that have become part of who we are as a team. And so it it does take a lot of, I would say, intentionality and care around ensuring that you know, those organizational values just don't live on a wall somewhere um, that we actually embed them and live them out in our own leadership as well as in the organization. Part of that is being able to celebrate and call out when we see these values lived out by our people. And then also having the the brave conversations when we might do something as leaders or individuals that are counter to those values. And then as you're talking about, um, you know, with you know, wanting to be a more diverse workforce, but also like, hey, a culture fit ends up looking just like what we already have. And, um, you know, I think one is just really going back to why do we have, you know, goals around diversity, equity, and inclusion? I mean, it it does make, I mean, like from a human standpoint, it makes sense and it makes business sense too. Yeah. Like with diversity and all the different ways that it exposes itself, it just makes for a more innovative um, team and you're able to like go farther faster. But one thing is, so I say you mentioned a lot of things that <laughs> I'm passionate about. The other one is unicorns. Yeah. So my I have a podcast. It's called the Unicorn Talent Hunter because I do believe oh, in I unicorns. I don't know if I knew the name. <laughs> yes, you got to believe in unicorns sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that I talk about unicorn talent is, you know, what is a good fit for your organization? The perfect fit for your organization. We're not doing this whole laundry list of like, oh, they have to have this many years experience, these certifications and that thing, those types of things. But really looking at our mission our vision and our values, what would make for a really good fit within our organization, really complementing what we're doing as well as expanding uh, just what we're doing and the culture that we have in our organization. And so I think sometimes I I take leadership teams through an activity that looks at um, defining an ideal candidate profile. And through that, we actually expand the thinking around what could be an ideal fit for our organization, thinking about lived experience, thinking about characteristics and values and attributes that an individual brings, which just opens it up even more. Yeah, the unicorn's not as hard to find if you start to expand your definition or idea of it. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, so that's my spin on unicorns, but yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. So I'm really excited to talk to you about, you know, your HR strategist growth in the next year. So kind of Tell me a little bit more about how you're re- planning on growing your business next year. Yeah, well, <laughs> great question. So um, again, so we do a lot of work around strategy, um, whether it's a strategy for finding great people, keeping them or investing in their growth. And so the primary way that we'll be doing this in the coming year is through a VIP day model. So where is a one day like deep dive into your organization around topics that relate to our thriving workplace framework. So we have this framework that we've developed that really breaks down what makes a thriving workplace. And so it deals with people, culture and systems. And so we're really helping you think about your people operations, your culture 
and those systems, whether it's technology or process, that's going to help support this overall infrastructure. Um, what we have found from the work that we've done, especially in those organizations where they're getting ready for this growth inflection point, usually you have either a co-founder or an operations manager who is now doing these HR tasks where they aren't necessarily trained will say. And sometimes they're not passionate about it. But, you know, definitely, you know, they've inherited these tasks because usually organizations don't have the budget to have an HR resource, even if it's a fractional HR resource. So um, another component that we are bringing to the market next year that we're really excited about is actually doing an accelerator type of cohort with operations individuals and really walking through building the HR infrastructure, the people operations for their organization so that they can find great talent, be able to keep them and get them engaged early on, and then also thinking about investing in them. So it's a three-month cohort that we're building. And again, it's being able to walk through those different aspects to make sure that you're building that capability in your organization. Because what we found is we can come in and do this like as a retainer, but once we leave, it kind of just falls along the wayside. Yeah. And so we're really trying to build that capability within the organizations. And then some organizations may be ready to like then hire a fractional HR manager and then we can support them in hiring their next HR person. That's awesome. No, I, I love that. I love that offering and I'm really, really excited for it because I, I the first place that I worked at, I saw like we had out outsourced our HR. Um, and what kind of that felt like was that if you did have a, an issue or some type of something that might have happened in the workforce, it was like, I can't even talk to someone that is involved in the day to day of my exactly. operations. So it's it, it felt so dis, disjointed to be like, I have a problem with all of you people over here and let me go talk to someone that doesn't even work here exactly. to intervene. And so it's it's almost like, so maybe I shouldn't even say anything like, you know, it just would create all of these sticky situations if you don't have that people operations built in. And it's so important to growing teams. I like the way you framed it, too, about, you know, those inherited responsibilities. It's almost because it's like they're so needed that someone has to do it, even if they're not trained. Right. And that is how you create that is in turn, essentially how you can create a system that isn't supportive of people operations. If if, if someone's training some or creating a system that they're not trained to create. <laughs> so I think you're going to be providing so much lift and um, creating some really awesome people operations superstars in the, in the Tulsa place or the Tulsa based market. And, and really any uh, company that you work with is going to totally benefit from this. I'm really excited for you. Yeah, we're very excited too. And one thing I'll say is, you know, my background is in education. I taught for five years elementary school, but also have a master's in curriculum and instruction. And so when we were thinking about how to refine our offerings, it was really thinking about, okay, what are our strengths? And so my strength really is teaching and coaching and building those capabilities. So I'm really excited about being able to support um, organizations in that. Yeah. And getting to blend both of those disciplines is really cool. I'm that's that's so cool. Yeah, I'm really excited for the future of your HR strategist. And um, one thing I kind of want to reflect on your experience kind of in the Tulsa entrepreneurial ecosystem here was the Build in Tulsa Female Founders Pitch Competition. And if I remember correctly, you participated in one. Is that correct? That is. That's awesome. Tell me about that experience and kind of how that impacted your business. 
Okay, so that was my first ever pitch competition. And I, I'm I'm adventurous. So I'm like, let me try it and see whatever. I had no idea what I was signing up for, but it was such a great experience. I can't say enough about building Tulsa, Desiree, and Ashley. They prepared us so well for just like being able to pitch anyone anywhere. And I feel like now I can do a little bit of that. But it was a great experience. It was the first one that they've had. And so they've been just kind of growing and enhancing the offering um, over the last year. And from that experience, you know, it was kind of like introducing the business to the Tulsa community. So, you know, definitely helped with exposure and brand awareness. Also, um, from that experience, I was asked to participate in another um, female founder cohort, which is Endeavor Scale Up, part of their um, first Tulsa cohort, which was exceptional. So I feel like that experience just helped open up other opportunities and really realize like, um, you know, I I had a really great business that I needed to share with more people. Yeah, I I, I want to focus. I love I love hearing that the exposure part is so important. The access to knowledgeable folks in that ecosystem is also like such an additive to your to what you're able to pitch and and creating that pitch and and creating that ability to sell your business in that way, which is really cool. I also think that's super awesome to hear that that platform um, for black women is exists in Tulsa. And I'm sure the whole so build in Tulsa has this focus on creating the next or not the next, but recreating the opportunities and and recreating uh, the affluence of Black Wall Street in kind of this 21st century um, and tech-focused ecosystem. And so I I think it's interesting to kind of just from the VC world, we think about um, if you look at, you know, how many companies are being funded and where those dollars go, the the dollar amounts are, uh, are super stratified to white male and like those uh, founders of those types of companies and the right. the least amount of money goes essentially to black women and black female founded companies. And so kind of the importance of this competition in this space in Tulsa is really cool. And I bet that that was a, a feeling that was a, or a sentiment that was addressed at that event. And kind of then you had the shared camaraderie of like, other successful black women pitching their businesses. I, I I just it sounds like such a cool way to like see not only your business grow and and the skills you get from it, but then also seeing the residuals of that as well. Yes. <laughs> yes to all of that. I mean, I would definitely agree. And I feel like with um programs like the Female Founders Pitch Night with Build in Tulsa and Endeavor Scale Up, it provides you just like again, exposure to things that I didn't even realize I needed to know for my business or know that that was even an option. So to be um, exposed to the fact that there are other ways to build your business besides bootstrapping, like my parents bootstrapped their business. Many entrepreneurs I know, they bootstrapped. I know I know very few people who have, um, you know, done any type of fundraising. Um, and so it was just really good to have exposure to that space. Um, And then also, I think I I try to embody like this boldness and like going after what I want. And I felt like that was just another opportunity to put in practice. Like, Crystal, you you say you want to grow your business. Well, go do something new. Go do something different. Learn and, you know, see where that takes you. And I've been really, really excited and 
satisfied with that decision. And it's so great to see each time that Build in Tulsa does their female founders pitch night, like the the new talent <laughs> that is exposed yeah. to the ecosystem and just all of the great ideas that are out there that are definitely fundable if they just have like enough um gain enough traction and get seen by the right people. And yeah. I think Build in Tulsa is trying to make that possible. That's that's so cool. I'm I'm really glad you got that experience and I'm so glad that opportunity exists. So um definitely listeners go check out Build in Tulsa and all the awesome ecosystem work that they're doing in the entrepreneurial space in Tulsa. I'm really excited to round out this discussion with one last kind of transition into a different conversation where we talk a little bit more broadly about kind of the biggest challenges uh, that businesses are facing with finding and retaining talent. So kind of from your perspective, how do you see and how and what have you seen as the biggest challenges that these companies are facing in this market right now? Great question. So there are a couple of challenges that some of which I feel like have always been there and they're just more pronounced. And then other challenges that are new within where we see ourselves now. So one is where to find great talent. I feel like that has always been something that has eluded people. And so um, usually when I'm working with organizations, it's thinking very creatively and outside of the box of where individuals are and, you know, looking for passive candidates rather than those who are currently on the job market. I mean, you definitely want to have a balance of both, but usually passive candidates are, um, you know, they're not necessarily looking for a new opportunity, but with the right one, that is super exciting. And they're a bit more committed to that particular opportunity because you, they're, they're actively saying, yes, I'm going to leave this like stable job in order to join your organization. And so I just like being able to do, um, recruitment with passive candidates. But it really does take some creativity around where do these people hang out? And that's usually how I phrase it with my clients. So let's think creatively about this um, ideal candidate profile and where do they hang out? And let's go hang out there too, you know? So whether, and this helps a lot with um, individuals that have DEI goals as well, because usually they're like, we just don't know where to find them. Well, we just need to go probably one, two, maybe three layers deeper to really think creatively about where these people hang out because they're out there. And it just may take a little um, creativity and um, thought on our part to do so. So I think that's one thing that's always there is like, where do we find great people? Um, the other thing I would say is, and this is something that I'm like working out in my head. Okay. So it's not a formulated thought, but I'm starting to notice and I'm terming it tr transactional employment versus transformational employment. And a lot of times when we're looking to fill these roles, especially if it's like, you know, back in my days of recruitment where I used to recruit for my dad's business, where we had to find, you know, five, 10 software engineers. That's not an easy <laughs> task. <No>. And so, <laughs> so sometimes it becomes very transactional, where it's like, I need to find, I need to get these positions filled. And that's just it. And so when it becomes transactional employment, that carries into how we onboard them, how we develop them, um, how we even look at like performance goals and those type of things. And so with transactional employment, it's really just saying, hey, here's a check for the job. With transformational employment, and this is what really people are looking for now, is work that is meaningful. 
where they're going to be valued and respected, where they feel like I can take these skills that I've gained through um, previous employment experiences as well as lived experiences and putting it into a role that I really, really enjoy. And so that's transformational employment where, you know, you take kind of the strengths, I call it the zone of genius, of where people just shine and being able to pair that with your mission. And if there's <laughs> having that values alignment as well, it just makes for like a wonderful fit where the person enjoys what they're doing and it like spills over to the team really enjoying what they're doing together. And then organizationally being able to go farther, faster together. Um, so I do think being able to make that shift and even though it's like, oh, I need to get this position filled, being committed to the transformation that happens by having the, 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 um, a good fit with soft skills and technical skills that's going to help the organization move forward. Uh, the other thing is definitely, um, I'll say total rewards. So compensation plus benefits. Um, there's, a, there's the component of pay transparency where definitely um, if organizations have not come up with their compensation philosophy and um, a pay structure that is equitable, that's going to be a big thing that's going to drive candidates joining your organization or not. Even more with, um, you know, various states as well as localities having paid transparency laws. And I think that's something that organizations really need to take some time in um, thinking through and being able to determine, you know, one, how do we pay our people? Um, you know, where do we sit in the market? And if we can't necessarily go up in compensation because of budget, what are some of those other benefits, whether monetary or non-monetary, that we're providing that makes for a, um, a fair compensation or a total rewards package for our people? And the last thing I'll say is definitely the focus on holistic well-being. Um, you know, we really focus on creating workplaces where people can thrive and well-being is a central component to that. And not only just well-being as far as like career well-being, like knowing that you're being paid fairly, you're doing work that you enjoy that lights you up in, in a place that is a healthy work environment, but also thinking about what are those other components that support an individual's well-being and how as an employer are we um, ensuring that we're helping them put in boundaries, helping them realize symptoms of burnout and supporting individuals and hopefully not reaching that point, but if they do, providing resources around that. So I do think well-being is another one that organizations really need to spend time and invest some resources and understanding how they can support their people that way too. Oh, those are those are great points. And I I I will just underline how important I find well-being <laughs> and of and also like how much um, I, I think that part about, you know, finding the meaningful work that that lights you up is also really important. I think it's interesting to think about like just as a young person, like going through college and, and having some work experiences in, involved in that um, timeline in my life. But, you know, prior to that and prior to being in this space, like there wasn't a lot of exposure to try out a lot of things to find out what what lights you up. And so thinking about that's something that I've kind of been just thinking about quite a bit over the past couple of weeks is like, what are what are things that you can try to 
see if if you find that fulfilling or if you or to see if you know you do enjoy helping people in this way and i, I think that an employer being a, a big part of, in encouraging that environment is how you're going to get you, you know that retention in the sense that it's it's almost a holistic approach as well because you're like i care that you like this job <laughs> from the employer perspective it seems almost like weird to say it out loud and and maybe even phrased in that way but it's like if you want happy employees you have to make your employees happy and that is a way in which to do that not to it it almost then becomes just transactional in their labor kind of like you were saying if the, if it feels transactional in the hiring process and in the onboarding process and then once it gets down to doing the work it's like well yeah we need these things from you and if you don't get them then we're going to have to find something else like that is not where i think we're sitting at in the market when it comes to talent now in the workforce and um i don't know if that's a generational thing i don't know if that's a um the industry and the and the whole working world has just been like we want to be treated fairly <laughs> and we you know it's just this weird uh culture shift that i'm i am in enjoying from a like philosophical standpoint and that fact that I think that work um, isn't I don't necessarily want to live to work I want to work and live at the same time and be I don't know you know I, I want those to be good things um, since it's something we spend almost the rest of our lives doing <laughs> exactly exactly and I mean I think it's probably just a convergence of a lot of things um, where it makes it a ripe point in time to be able to invest in this. And one of the things that I think is really important, um, uh, thinking about as a CEO or a member of senior leadership is opening up conversation within your organization, being transparent, honest, and having these brave conversations. I think there was a point in time where we're like, oh, we don't even want to open up this can of worms. You don't need to be happy. Just do your work. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't, I don't care if you're happy because we just need you to get the work done and afraid of what the answer might be. But I found that when we do engage people around, okay, so one, understanding what your strengths are, as well as what brings you enjoyment. If this particular role isn't bringing you enjoyment and there are opportunities to move you to a new role, transition into a new opportunity that is more aligned with your strengths, I'd much rather do that versus having you suffer in a role that you know, you're really not doing your best and we're really not getting like best products from you yeah. like that. That doesn't serve anyone really well. So I do think it's beneficial to have these conversations and being open. I mean, of course, you're going to need to be um, willing to hear <laughs> what comes out yeah. as well as um, open to coming up with a solution, hopefully together collaboratively. But um, I just think that those make the best work environments. Um, and I've appreciated the bosses that I've had in the past who have either seen something in me and said, hey, Crystal, why don't you try this out? Like things I would have never thought to try. Um, and, you know, someone saw this capability and went, go try it. Let's see what happens. And it really lit me up. Or if I was proactive and said, this is something that I really enjoy, like my last boss, probably the last boss I'll ever have because I feel like I'm going <laughs> to run this business forever. But um, he understood that there were some things within that role that I wasn't going to be able to do that really lit me up. So he provided me space to, for me to like do this consulting work. And he understood. And but 
when I finally turned in my resignation, he's like, I knew you weren't going to like stay forever. I'm glad that you're able to go to the next thing that's really going to like, you know, fuel you and like bring you joy. And I think that's part of it as leaders. Like we are open handed in the way that we help develop individuals. Um, you know, I understand you're not going to be in my company forever. So but while you're here, I want to make sure that it's an enjoyable experience. And also setting you up well for whatever's next. Yeah, no, I love I love that. I I think that that's that's how you have impactful experiences. Um, working as is being open to opportunities, and also there being leaders that see, like you said, your last boss. Like I, I think that that's such a transformational experience to just like have someone see something in you that you might not have seen, um, and then to uh, and then the space to grow into that or or to experience that. I, I love that. I think it's super important. Um, Crystal, I've had such a great time with this conversation. It's Me been too. such a joy to have you on. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug or t- or share with our Grow With Us audience? Yeah, I would say definitely if anything has resonated, one, I love having coffee chats. So if it's just like, um, you know, I'd love to hear more about this idea of thriving at work and how we can like have a thriving workplace. Um, you know, the best way to get in contact through our website, um, yourhrstrategist.com. Also, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And so I'm Crystal with a K. (laughs) So Crystal Speed on LinkedIn and then also on Instagram at yourhrstrategist. So feel free to reach out. Would love to have a chat. Um, Also, if you're just thinking about, you know, what is the next step for our organization, especially if you're, you're like, I know our operations person needs some help. Check us out in the new year. We'd love to be able to support you in that way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you for being on this episode of Grow With Us. And for our listeners of Grow With Us looking for new opportunities, please join our talent network to stay in touch with our future jobs and opportunities at Intulsa by visiting talent.intulsa.com. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to a newsletter where you can stay up to date with our latest career advice, featured opportunities with Intulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. Huge thank you to our editor at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us. Grow With Us.